Welcome to another episode of What Brings You In Today. I'm Erica Bennett. And I'm Taylor Fisher. And today we are here with Eddie Disler, DO, an interventional cardiologist. So Dr. Disler, what brings you in today? I'm here to talk about heart health. Awesome. So interventional cardiology, tell us a little bit about your background. So I uh, was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, and I went to medical school in West Virginia. Um, I went further training into internal medicine, cardiology, interventional cardiology, and then uh, came out here to practice, and I've loved it um, ever since, uh, I think it's been two years now. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to become a, and what, what led you to cardiology or to become a physician in general? Cardiology would be, I, I, I love the instant gratification that we can get from interventional cardiology of someone coming in with a heart attack. We can fix them instantaneously um, with a stent and and it's, it's gratifying. It's, it's fulfilling. Um, so I enjoy that from a professional standpoint. Um, medicine, I just kind of was, I was drawn to it, um, I think, at a younger age and just kind of kept going. What would you describe, um, what is the overall importance of your cardiovascular health? Like what role does that play in your overall health? It's a, it's a good question. I think there's many aspects or many ways you can, I can answer that question. But I think number one, heart um, or cardiovascular disease is most common cause of death in men and women. Um, and so we, there's a lot of, um, um, communication about some of the other uh, cancers, things like that. But really, in the end, it's cardiovascular disease is number one. And and so uh, it's it's very important from that standpoint, just trying to trying to be healthy. And then and then how you feel, how you feel, if you can focus on your, your cardiovascular health and eating well and exercising, then you tend to feel better. Um, and so I think in terms of symptoms and how you're feeling and in terms of um, um, length of life and kind of top to bottom. I think it's important. So when would someone, I know I actually am a patient of yours. So I um, have recently been to a cardiologist and got a checkup. And what did you say about my heart? It's good. It's beautiful. Beautiful heart. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I can do the punny joke that yes, I do have a heart indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what everyone says, but my heart is beautiful. But anyways, let's go back. It was not back. three sizes too small. Okay. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So, um, so I had, I was feeling what I thought was, you know, kind of things in my heart, you know, with, with my heart, I was stressed, but it turns out you know, a lot of people don't think about stress and the impact that stress has on your heart. So how important, what would you recommend to people that, how they should think about stress when it comes to their overall health and how that does impact it? We carry our stress on our heart. Our heart carries a burden of that a lot. When we, um, when we are stressed out, cortisol is increased, which is a hormone within our body. And that creates an environment in our body that our, our stress or that stress puts um, an undue stress on our heart, um, so it causes us to feel things. We feel uncomfortable. We don't. We don't like the way it makes us feel. Um, so stress management in my practice is a big is a big role in what and what um, I talk about and what we um, what we focus on because of its effect on the heart. So yes, yeah, so it's a very very important and, and and it's dynamic. Each person is different. What is causing someone else's someone's stress is different from person to person age, um, all of that. 
Do you have any suggestions for something someone could do to help manage the stress or, you know, in terms of their heart, what they could do to help with that? Yeah. It's in, like I said, it's very dynamic. So someone who, who, um, is maybe younger in their twenties, thirties, forties, exercising, eating right, um, getting on the treadmill, doing those sorts of things, um, can, can really be good for the heart from a stress relief standpoint. 80s and 90s, I, I just focus on spending time with your family and 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 that is that warms their heart, that relieves relieves a lot of their stress. So it's dynamic. It's not just not just uh, um, getting on the treadmill for everybody, but for for some people that does. Um, for others, it's seeing a counselor. Or, um, there's it's dynamic. I think you you have to get at the reason. What did we recommend for Erica? What are you doing to relieve your Exercise. stress? Exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What are you addicted to? Exercise all every day. Closing my rings on my watch. That is my goal. I have to at least close all three of my rings on my watch, and so I can do that multiple ways. So that gives She's me some an options orange and variety. Addict. Yes, I, I have. I do prefer Orange Theory just because I can close my major ring within an hour, guaranteed. So that helps limit any variable options, but. Um, so when it comes to your heart, there's a lot of different diagnostic things you can do to kind of check out your heart and make sure it's okay. And I did some of those. So (laughs) kind of walk us through what the tools we have available nowadays. And the tools are dependent on the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So, um, a good starting test for a lot of patients would be an echocardiogram or ultrasound of the heart. Like they do on pregnant mamas looking at the babies. We're looking at the heart. We get about a hundred videos. Um, video clips of the heart. We get to see if the heart's squeezing well, if they're, um, if the valves are working well, if the heart is too thick or too small. Um, so we get a really good understanding from a variety of symptoms what's going on with the heart. Then it kind of, from there, um, your doctor, your cardiologist, or your primary care physician will choose a test or test based on the symptoms. Chest pain leads to different things. Um then palpitations or shortness of breath um, go down different pathways for each. Yeah, and the so the echocardiogram, am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's su- super interesting. If you've never had one done, I mean, just the ability, what they can see mm-hmm. with those machines, you, you can the technology, peek as a patient yeah, too, you fun. can real life see what's happening. It's kind of weird when you're there because you do see it real life. It's kind of freaky, but, uh, very cool. And then also just, so I had to wear the heart Holter monitor Mm -hmm. and now there's so I've had one before, like maybe 10 years ago, but it's so easy now. It's just like a little sticker you put on and then it connects Mm -hmm. to a little phone. So it's not the old wires that you had to wear and strap on. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what we're doing now is, is very, uh, not very scary. Um, Things from the Holter monitor to even we're, we do sleep studies at home now. So you've, mm-hmm. there's been a, and a big part of my um, practice is diagnosing sleep apnea because of its effect on the heart, it increases cortisol and stress. And um, and so you can do that at home now. And that, there was a big burden in a lot of my patients of having to leave their loved one to go to the, the sleep uh, uh, center. And so the sleep center now um, um, has a process in which we can uh, do the sleep studies at home. And, and that's been really nice for for a lot of patients. So a lot of our testing is more, not as scary as it yeah. used to be, not, yeah. not a lot of wires. 
Right. Um, My husband uh, had to do a sleep study and wear the monitor, and he had to come to the hospital to do the sleep study. This mm -hmm. was a few years ago. And I don't think you're sleeping very well if you're in a strange place. And then the monitor he wore several years ago had the wires. And so what Erica's describing and what I saw her have, I was like, that is so much more comfortable than what it used to be. But sleep. Let's take a moment for sleep. Because that is something that affects every single person yeah. um, in our society, and it's highly underrated. And with our busy, busy schedules that we have now and kind of yes. over-scheduling ourselves, um, it tends to be something that people don't prioritize or you know don't realize the impact that good quality sleep has on their health. So iterate a little bit more yeah. on that. No, it, 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 you're, you're, you hit it spot on and it's, and it's focused on a little bit of what our theme, I think of this first part of the conversation is if you, you can't help rid your body of stress, if you're not sleeping, um, our bodies almost carry that debt of sleep. The more and more we don't sleep, it needs, it needs that back. It wants that. Um, so the, the recommendations eight to 10 hours, it's hard to do that, but but that, that is a recommendation. And, and if you can't do it one night, you got to try to catch up the other night. How accurate are the – so the – you know, I keep going back to the watch. Yeah. But we have so much tools at our disposal now just normally. So yeah. like the watch, it can track your sleep and um, it can tell you kind of the quality of sleep you're getting. And yeah. I mean, is that a good just first step? See. Yeah, I think they're relatively accurate from what I've seen, but they're not in, – in what I've read, but they're not diagnostic really right. of anything. Um, but it, it does help you, Hey, how much sleep am I getting? And it can help you keep track of it. I would keep it in a book after that to say, okay, where am I trending? Am I yeah. getting, getting that eight to 10 or am I sitting at like six because yeah. I'm doing this or I answered a phone or, you know, I think it's a good way to monitor and to keep track of yourself, but I wouldn't focus on the details of it so You're much, right. um, because I don't, I don't think it's well validated for that, yeah. but. Okay. Is it true? Um, I've heard I'm talking about common misconceptions. Do women need more or less sleep than men? Is that something no. that's true? No, no. I, okay. di- I disagree in my <laughs> humble opinion. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody needs sleep. Um. I've I heard think, that misconception that women need more you sleep. You keep saying misconception, but I mean, I'm not 100% I just don't it's a know because I'm not I a like doctor. To, you know how people say they believe the, the facts the, that they want that best fits their narrative? I think this one is mine. For a lot of women with the burden of the family and everything, I do think maybe they do. Are there any and then other... my wife with, her th- with our three kids, she, okay, she deserves exactly. more than right. like, she yes. probably gets. Um, are there any other things that maybe would be misconceptions that people believe about their heart health? or even uh, yeah, overall I think, help. Yeah, I think I think we're hitting towards a little bit with women. I think um, it's a there's an interest, or I'll, I'll go on a tangent, but I think it helps prove the point. When when we studied things from the, um, from a heart standpoint and symptoms of cardiovascular disease and what heart attacks are, it was done on men. The studies were mm-hmm. done on men. They were done on white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last 15, 20, 30 years, we've we've realized. Um, that we need to dig deeper into that, and so they've the the they've done more studies, and so the 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 symptoms that they describe in TV of the elephant on the chest, the substernal, the right here, that's for men, um, that's for white men, that's that's where it commonly presents, but that's not women, uh, not African American women especially. They often present differently with their with their heart attacks. They'll present with um, 
reflux or just not feeling right here yeah. in their belly or something different or shortness of breath. Um, and so noticing just a change in your body, I think, is important. And, um, and, and especially with women, I think that, like I said, the number one um, cause of mortality is still cardiovascular disease. And so to focus on other things, I think, is not necessarily. Yeah. Do women tend to just kind of blow it, you know, yeah. blow it off like, oh, I've got all this other thing to do mm-hmm. and I'm not, I do feel a little weird, yeah. but and our, I don't and have our community time to go didn't, to the didn't help with that with how we described what mm-hmm. we should be looking for. And I think we're trying to change that narrative and you'll hear more, you'll hear more of that when you go to your doctors that they'll be asking you not just chest pain, but. How else are you feeling? Are yeah. you feeling something here? What What's going on? My mom had a heart attack several years ago, and I think maybe she had symptoms for a week of acid reflux and things like that in her, you know, the esophagus maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just thought she just wasn't feeling good. And yeah. then finally, she was just unable to deny the symptoms anymore. Yeah. And and that's what I and that's what I see a lot of. And I hate it because sometimes time is money with heart attacks and. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get seen earlier for these things. So my advice for people, especially women, is if you you know your body and if it's not feeling right, go see go seek help. And don't worry about you know feeling like you went to the ER and mm-hmm. you really shouldn't. Oh, it was just yeah, acid reflux yeah, or something. That. It's better to be safe than sorry yep. in those cases for yep. sure. And our ER will check. They'll make sure if you, are you having a heart attack. Is it something we need to worry about? They'll figure that out quickly for you. What about birth control and its impacts on heart health? Has there been any no, thing that's very from, prevalent? Yeah, from birth control, no, I don't. There's no direct link to increase in uh, from birth control from estrogen replacement um, and uh, for for folks going through menopause. Mm-hmm. That's a different story. There's some observational studies that link an increase of cardiovascular risk, um, but the they're looking backwards. It's not. There's not a definitive link, but okay. there's a suggestion that maybe um, there's a, a small increase for hormone replacement therapy, which is when you take the estrogen um, when you're going through menopause. Okay. But not um, not exactly from a birth control standpoint. They haven't found anything with that. Well, I know since you've been here, we've started doing some new procedures in the realm of cardiac. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to tell us about some of those? Yeah. Um, I think, and we'll go over things, I think for the last two years, Mm -hmm. uh, two or three years, we've had the CT, uh, cardiac CTs, which are Mm -hmm. great. They help folks who have chest pain or who are trying to decide if they need to go on more intensive therapy for their um, risk factors for heart disease, like statin medications and Mm -hmm. blood pressure medications. Um, I think um, we're one of the only areas in this part of this half of the state that has that. so I think that's that's a big big help for and for who would who would qualify for something like that? Is that someone who maybe has a history of heart disease and or it, mostly it's someone who's trying or who's trying to get um, to get uh, more ideas about their heart health um, and and to understand do that do I have blockages do I do I not have a high likelihood of blockages mm-hmm. um, um, and and really it does take kind of a it takes a doctor primary care cardiologist to decide hey is that a good test for me right. but i think asking about it is definitely warranted and really advocating for yourself hey should i this mm-hmm. is something that i should be considered for there's there's that there's um and, and that's a that test plays a big role with TAVR planning which um TAVR is a transcatheter aortic valve replacement where you're replacing the aortic valve through the leg not requiring open heart surgery which is um a 
um, very forward th- um, procedure done in the last 10 years or so. And we, in many patients were having to go out of town for this to Tallahassee or Jacksonville. And we are happy to be able to have that here. That's in the last year. Yeah, um, that's huge. Things for, um, and then going into things for heart attacks or when patients come in with acute issues, we have a shockwave, which delivers a um, lithotripsy, um, which is like um, it can fracture the calcium in heart arteries, which we can deliver our stents in a better way. Um, and then we also have a heart pump device called an Impella, um, which can um, really help save a patient's life when they're crashing and burning and really not doing well with a heart attack. Yeah, Does tell work a little bit more for, about that. That one fascinates me. Yeah. So a normal heart will pump somewhere between 5 to 10 liters per minute. And this heart pump device can do about four. Um, and so it does the work of the heart when your heart is not able to do it. It's not a, t- a permanent device. It goes in through right. the leg and it can temporarily bridge someone um, if we're either working on the heart and needing the, to do the work of the heart for the patient or if um, the patient is is not doing well in a heart attack or, or the heart's failing. I could tell you if my mom was to have a heart attack, I'd want it on the table um, yeah. or I'd want it available um, so that I can, you know, I have all the tools mm-hmm. at our disposal. And so uh, um, we were happy to be able to bring that. So it lets your heart rest. It lets it, your heart it, rest. Pun- yeah. like, and you can never do that otherwise, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's yeah. pretty cool. It is. It is. Um, and it allows the heart to recover from mm-hmm. something something bad like a heart attack. Awesome. Yeah. So if someone is thinking that maybe they're having something going on with their heart, they're just not feeling right, what would you recommend the first step they take? I would say go to your primary care doctor. Um, if it's something that you feel that is more scary or ominous or, or like for, for those women where it's a big change, I'd, I'd go to urgent care or the ER um, to seek help. But if it's something, hey, I've been dealing, you know, I've been having this, uh, this something for a year, you know, then start off with primary care to try to get to cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tell us about the difference between an interventional cardiologist yeah. versus a non-invasive cardiologist versus then what, like cardiothoracic surgery, kind of how, because yeah. I'm sure that's confusing to most if you don't, if you've never seen a cardiologist. So tell us about the differences. Yeah. So we'll start with this cardiac surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons. They do open heart surgery. They do bypasses. So where they go in and they cut the sternum open and then access the heart. Um, but there needs to be a diagnosis of a heart problem first, like a blockage in the heart arteries. Um, and a cardiologist will do that, whether it be a general cardiologist, someone who doesn't do the procedures, or an interventional cardiologist. Um, a good healthy practice or community needs a little bit of both um, often um, so that you can see the patient, um, uh, the large volume of patients that, that may be required um, but still need time um, to do the cases or do the procedures if patients need that too. Um, so there's a mixture of those often in a practice. And what are the most common heart procedures that you perform? Heart catheterizations. Um, are, are and tell us a little bit about what that is. For so if you had, and we've those, heard the yeah. heart. You've all heard some of the you'll hear, you'll heart hear cath, stress tests or CT coronaries or CT scans. And, and all of these things are done to try to screen patients to see if they have blockages in their heart arteries. And if there's evidence that there is, then the next test, the definitive test, would be an angiogram or heart catheterization, all the same thing. Um, they mean this. They, okay. They're all different words for the same thing, which is where we go in either through the wrist or through the leg and take a catheter, which is like a big long straw, all the way to the heart arteries, take pictures of the heart arteries. And if we think that the patient would benefit, 
Um, if there is a blockage, we'd fix it with the stent to open it up. How long does that take? Anywhere between 15 uh, minutes to an hour, hour and a half. Interesting. And then as far as like community health, do you kind of hit, we live in South Georgia and well, this all commonly known as the stroke belt. Home of fried food. Yes. So what can our area do or what would you, I mean. Most of them already know the answers to be blunt. Yeah. But a big thing is number one is smoking. I tell my patients um, if it, I want you to take my medicines, but number one, put the cigarettes down. That's the number one risk factor for heart disease by and far. Um, and I'm very passionate about it. My patients that have a heart attack, I tell them all, if you put your cigarettes down at the fob pump, you get a big hug. I don't care who you are, <laughs> you get a giant hug. Um, and so it's a huge deal for me for to put down the cigarettes. That's number one. Um, the number two is to get treated for your other risk factors for heart disease. Number one, cigarettes. Number two is um, diabetes um, and mm-hmm. then blood pressure, cholesterol, and genes. Um, and so your blood, you're getting your blood sugar after um, putting down the cigarettes would, would be a big focus of mine. Mm-hmm. What about vaping? Vaping is bad. I mean, there's, it's, it is bad, period. It's bad for your lungs. It's bad for your heart. I think there's a lot of misconception that it's the better alternative from cigarettes, but that doesn't mean that it's good no, for it's, you. It's, it's not an, a good alternative. It is a good um, for folks that have a good plan to try to wean and transition from from cigarettes to to not smoking mm-hmm. and to not requiring either nicotine or or a vaping source, um, it's 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 good if it is used as a way to wean from from the cigarettes. Um, but but it needs to be done in a with a planned pathway rather than a replacement. Okay, well that's good to know. Everybody, stop vaping. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I get that it's hard. I mean, it, I know. It, it's hard. It's an it's a very addictive substance. Um, and I get that that when things when things hit that part of our brain, it it it's hard to put it down. It's a habit, and I get it. Um, um, but there's another way. Um, there's another way. What, what I am grateful for, to be honest, and um, is that it's not it's not very cool for kids anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big thing. I'm, I'm happy that it's not cool for kids. I'm happy that this often our, our, our you know, our, our teenagers aren't, aren't picking it up like they used to decades ago. And I, so, so I think that's a good thing. And I give our community a good job, I think for changing how that is. Can you tell us what you do to keep your heart healthy? I try to run. I try to exercise. I try to eat healthy, but you notice he says try, try. in front of all of those. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard, I get as it. long as you try, folks. No, just try. And, and, and doing it. Um, but my, the people close to me know that I have a sweet tooth, and yeah. it's hard for me to put down the sugary stuff. Um, but I, I think setting goals, trying to achieve those goals. Um, Erica is very good at setting goals, and and I think that we could all learn a little bit from that and set, setting goals and achieving the goals that are. Yes, she's a goal getter. <laughs> yes, I'm a little obsessive about it. So um, you can join me if you want to. <laughs> I'll you be can, glad you to get do you like on that. Walk the... with a dog. Yes, yes, yes. De- so we're definitely trying to um, implement some more heart healthy things, just from and wellness into our workplace. So yeah. um, we did start our walk with a dog. Um, 
program a few months ago. And so if you want to walk with a doc, which is the safest place to walk, because if something happens to you, there's about 20 other physicians around. Um, But you also get the opportunity to speak with them uh, just on a off the cuff, like basis. And so it's just a way to meet some physicians without having to do it under that pressure of a doctor's appointment. So if you're don't like doctor's appointments, this is your way to come connect. Um, so you can go to our website at sgmc.org to, to find more information about that. Yes, definitely. Um, I know we probably have to let you go because you're very important. You have to go save lives. Um, but I did want to ask, if you eat at the cafeteria, what is your favorite meal at our cafeteria? At our cafeteria, the at salmon our cafeteria. is so good. I love it it really salmon. is really it is really good. I don't know how they mass produce salmon very as good as they do, but they do. They do a really good job of it. I love the salmon hands hands down. Yeah, I think Erica's a fan. Yeah, yeah I am too. Yeah. Yeah. They have it about once a week, yeah. um, and so I, I enjoy They've that. They've done a really good job of in, um, implementing yeah. more healthy foods yeah. to options yeah. for us, and I definitely appreciate it because it does make it a little bit more mm-hmm. easy to stay on task. Um, so shout out to our food services yeah. department. Big yes, shout out. definitely. We've heard fried chicken. We've heard buffalo <laughs> wrap. I like the salmon. I, I, I know Erica does, too. Yeah, I like it yeah. like anytime it's there. So Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up on this episode of What Brings You In Today. Thank you all for joining and tuning in. If you want to subscribe on um, our channel, then you can stay up to date on our next episodes. But if you have any suggestions for content or anybody you want to hear from, Um, specifically, please let us know and we'll do our best to get them on the show. But thank you, Dr. Distler. Thank you for for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Like, share, review, all that good stuff. Yep. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.